Welcome to the Tyrone Sports Podcast. I'm your host, David Thay. So I'm coming to you on the heels of the Raheem Morris hire for the Atlanta Falcons. As a diehard, and I mean very, very diehard, died very hard this year, Falcons fan, I am one of the minority of fans that is actually optimistic about the hire. Not only did I not hate it, I would actually say that I was positive on the hire. And now I've got to take the next 15 minutes or so to explain to you why. Because uh, I had to talk a lot of people off the cliff uh, with the text messages that I got after that announcement was hired. If you're new to the show, make sure to like and subscribe. Follow us on social media, Facebook and Twitter. And email us, titerunsports at gmail.com. I would love to get something other than podcast spam. So, Raheem Morris was named the Falcons head coach, replacing Arthur Smith after three seasons of going 7-10. and 10. I like the selection very briefly because he's a guy that's coming in with experience on both sides of the ball. Players love him. As a matter of fact, Billy the Intern, if you could go find the clip of Jalen Ramsey talking about how much he loves Raheem Morris. Thanks. Okay. And um, he has connections all around the league from having coached in so many different places and having coached so many different positions. That's really going to allow him to put together an excellent staff and more importantly, to replace staff when they move on. Because if he's actually successful, people will move on from his staff. Also, another reason I like the selection, he ain't 71 like Bill Belichick. And for those of you that wanted Belichick as our future head coach, here's the short version of why we didn't do it. Belichick's 71 years old. He is not going to be a long-term solution for your franchise. If you bring him in, you are more than likely committing to give him all of your personnel power, something that he has proven in the last few years he is not good at. Bill Belichick probably has one of the worst track records in the NFL at drafting offensive talent, particularly at receiver. He never had to worry about quarterback because he had Tom Brady. And over the last two or three years, when he's been forced to find a solution at quarterback without Tom Brady. They failed with the Cam Newton experience. They haven't been able to develop Mac Jones into being a competent starting quarterback. So as a coach that's coming into a situation here in Atlanta where there is no quarterback, you're going to ask a guy who has just failed to develop a quarterback with full personnel powers to do the same thing here in Atlanta. It's just not hard to see a situation in which we get Bill Belichick and have the second best team in the NFL and are consistently losing games 13-6. to <laughs> That's a real possibility. We would turn into the New York Jets. So... You're going to turn over the keys to him, tear down all of your infrastructure, meaning more than likely you're running out Rich McKay, who is Arthur Blank's most trusted advisor, probably getting rid of Terry Fontenot, who has drafted extremely well, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And then three years from now, if you haven't won a Super Bowl, you're having to rebuild your entire franchise infrastructure again. So as much as Belichick, would be a sexy hire and if it hits you know that you're going to be an elite team if it doesn't work you are probably setting your franchise back three to five years because you have to hire a new gm get reset your roster from all the players that belichick brought in to fit his system find a quarterback because if it fails it means that belichick didn't develop one and you're in some ways worse off than you are now so I can see a lot of the reasons why Belichick was not the hire. I'm kind of relieved that he wasn't. And the fact that he wasn't really interviewed by any other teams tells you that a lot of other teams were probably hesitant to give him the kind of personnel control 
that he probably wanted. Now, back to Raheem Morris. When you dig a little deeper, you also see there's a lot to like from him coming from the Sean McVay coaching tree. So, being part of a winning organization is a plus. He was a Super Bowl champion coordinator winning the Super Bowl with the Rams in 2021, which I feel like every Falcons fan has forgotten he did. That was one year after being the interim coach of the Falcons. He's immediately picked up to replace Brandon Staley as DC of the Los Angeles Rams, immediately won the Super Bowl. And he's coming from an organization where Sean McVay, the head coach, has a coaching tree that is already very, very impressive. So to name a few, Matt LaFleur, who was the offense coordinator for the Rams and then has gone on to become the Packers head coach. Zach Tigler, who was quarterback's coach for the Rams, who has gone on to become the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. Kevin O'Connell, who was offense coordinator for the Rams, who's gone on to become the Vikings head coach. Also, Shane Waldron, who was the passing game coordinator and went on to become the Seahawks offense coordinator and helped revive the career of Geno Smith. Ejiro Evero, who was the defensive passing coordinator, who went on to become a DC for the Broncos when they switched over to Sean Payton. He was not retained. Moved over to the Panthers and did a really good job at, as their defensive coordinator this past year. And he also interviewed for multiple jobs in this coaching hiring cycle. And then also Wes Phillips, who was their passing coordinator and went on to become the Vikings OC, moving over with Kevin O'Connell. So far, McVay's tree has extremely successful head coaches in Zach Taylor and Matt LaFleur. One promising young head coach in O'Connell, who was 13-4 and his first year in Minnesota, and they were 7-10 this year without Kirk Cousins. And three coordinators off to strong starts with very limited resumes to this point in Waldron, Evero, and Phillips. Now, it hasn't been 100% because Brandon Staley was probably the first pick higher off his staff, who went on to become the head coach of the Chargers, where he went 24-24 and, and just got fired. And Thomas Brown has gotten off to a pretty rough start in Carolina as the OC for Panthers offense that was woeful, to say the least. They were dreadful. And the track record isn't great with all of his coaching tree branches, but the track record with his four head coaching branches is really strong. Zach Taylor, surprisingly, is the only one of the coaches that has a losing record, and that's mainly because he went 2-14 in his first season. They drafted Joe Burrow, and then Joe Burrow tore his ACL in his rookie year, and they went 4-12, I think. So... Since then, he's made two conference championships in a Super Bowl and almost won a Super Bowl. And Matt LaFleur has made two conference championships and every head coach from his tree, all four, have made the playoffs. So, something about what they're doing in that organization and the talent they're developing is working. And that gets me excited about having Raheem Morris step in as head coach for the Falcons. Now, with that track record of success from the big coaching tree, it makes you ask the question, why do people hate this hire so much and the answer is simple and it's one i understand but it's because of raheem morris's head coaching record he was 17 and 31 in tampa bay 20 21 and 38 overall and that includes his four and seven record as head coach of the falcons now i'm going to tell you why looking at his head coaching record and making a judgment purely based on that is stupid Raheem Morris' stint in Tampa Bay was 12 years ago. Raheem Morris was 32 when he took the job as the Buccaneers head coach, one of the youngest head coaches in the NFL. Andy Reid was still coaching the Eagles. Mike McCarthy was still coaching the Packers. Rex Ryan, Tom Coughlin, and Mike Shanahan were all still coaching. (laughs) In football years, this is like prehistoric times. Like This is so long ago. 
And so when I hear people say, why do we hire somebody with such a bad coaching record? This is a retread. I'm like, dude, it's been 12 years. He's 47 now. If we're going to disqualify any coach that has a bad start to their career, then there'd be some really great head coaches who would never have gotten second opportunities. I'll give you four real quickly. Um, Bill Belichick, 36-44 and 44 when he was with the Browns. He had one winning season and one playoff win. Got fired. He ended up being a pretty good coach, I would say. Pete Carroll went 6-10, and 10, got fired after one year with the Jets, went to the Pats, went 27-21 there, got fired again, then went to college and became the Pete Carroll that we now know. Super Bowl champion and had a chance to win another Super Bowl. Best coach in the history of the Seahawks, who were a nothing franchise before he arrived. Very, very similar to our Atlanta Falcons. Marv Levi, who's the coach of the Bills dynasties, he was 31-42 and 42 with the Chiefs from 1978 to 1982. That was four-plus years. Took over Buffalo four years later, took them to four Super Bowls. He's in the Hall of Fame now. And then Mike Shanahan. How many of you knew that Mike Shanahan coached the Raiders in 1989? Uh, was 8-12, was fired four games into the 1990 season, actually took over in 1988, was fired four games into the 1989 season, and then worked as a position coach and a coordinator for five years before taking over Denver Broncos and winning two Super Bowls. So, I just gave you four examples of coaches who went on to have great success after failing miserably at their first stops. And the gap between their first and second jobs, for most of them on average, is about four to five years. Well, Raheem Moore said 12 to be a coordinator, to coach every position imaginable. And just to be clear, when I say he's coached a lot of things, here's a quick overview of kind of his coaching journey. So he was a defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2008. Remember, he's like in his early 30s at this point. John Gruden gets fired. He takes over the next year, starts as starts out 0-7, and the team ends up with a 3-13 record, finishes in last place. Awful, awful, awful start. In his second season, the team goes 10-6, and and they barely miss the playoffs. He's got a rookie quarterback in Josh Freeman who playing, who's playing really well and things look very, very promising. That seven-game turnaround was the best in the franchise history of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and in 2010, Morris became the first coach since the 1970 NFL-AFL merger to start at least 10 rookies, and finish with a winning record. So, naturally, the arrows pointed up on him. 10-win season, just missed the playoffs, rookie quarterback. Everything's going great. They absolutely fall apart the next year. They start off 4-2, but turnovers, penalties, and the league's worst defense end up dooming them. They were bad in just about every area you can imagine. They were probably the worst team in the NFL, if not one of them. And um, Josh Freeman throws 22 interceptions. They allow 494 points. Oh, it's over 30 points a game. The most yards per play, they were essentially bad in every way you could be bad. And he was fired after a 4-12 season where they lost their last 10 games. So, he jumps on the Falcons staff in 2015. He is the assistant head coach and defensive backs coach. This is under Dan Quinn. Then, the next year, he shifts over coaching wide receivers where he built a relationship with Julio Jones. And then, in 2019... He's moved back over to coach defensive backs. And then at the end of 2019 season, in December of that season, he's promoted defense coordinator for the following year. Dan Quinn starts off the 2020 season 0-5. He's fired. That's the season with the onside kick of doom versus the Cowboys. And Raheem Morris takes over, finishes 4-7. and A lot of people thought that he deserved a shot at the job then. Did not get it. The Falcons hired Arthur Smith. And so a lot of Falcons fans that remember his tenure, remember we went four and seven, 
why would we take another shot at this guy when he wasn't going to get the job the first time? Well, when you take a closer look at what actually happened that year, that was the Todd Gurley season. Yes, I think we all forget that Todd Gurley actually played for the Falcons at one point. But that was the year the Falcons started off 4-2 and two under Raheem Morris. And that includes the game where Gurley scores by accident instead of going down at the one and running the clock out. And then Matthew Stafford takes the lines on to win the game. So they really should have started 5-1. But they start 4-2 and two under Raheem Morris. Julio Jones gets hurt. Todd Gurley's knee starts acting up, and the Falcons lose four straight games by five points or less, finish the season four and seven. And the team was clearly improved, clearly more disciplined, clearly better at handling late-game situations under Morris than they were in Dan Quinn, and yet he did not get the job. He's immediately picked up by the Rams. He goes on to lead to be part of – he goes on to lead their defensive unit to a Super Bowl championship the next year. And he's led a bunch of good to pretty good defenses with the Rams. Not many elite defenses, but a lot of solid to good defenses with the Rams in his three years there. With the Rams selling out to win that Super Bowl in 2021, they essentially scorched all their draft picks and capital for the future to win that Super Bowl. And so a lot of people feel like Raheem Morris' job this past season in 2023 with a lot of young players, Jalen Ramsey's gone. Bobby Carpenter was gone. A lot of the expensive pieces that they had brought in the last few years were gone. And he's rebuilding with second and third round draft picks because they don't have very many first round picks left from the Stafford trade. And he did a really good job at having a defense that ranked 18th in scoring, 20th in yards allowed, 13th in passing yards, 12th in rushing yards. So a, you know, league average defense, but with really, really below average personnel. A lot of people thought it was his best job. He's done. And here's the point. All this is to say that the arrow on Raheem Morris is clearly pointing up. And that's proven of the fact that he had multiple interviews for half the league's open coaching vacancies. The Falcons, Panthers, and Seahawks, and Commanders all brought him in for multiple interviews. So this idea that we're going back to a candidate that is just a retread is stupid because three other teams thought he was a worthwhile candidate Worthy of a second interview. So, if anything, we're lucky to have gotten him. But here's the bottom line about Raheem Morris. In any coach we would have hired, the success of the Falcons' next head coach will rise and fall with the play calling and the quarterback play. Newcomer Zach Robinson, who will be a first-time OC, and his ability to get good quarterback play out of whoever our next quarterback is, will determine the next three to five years of this franchise, period. You need good quarterback play to be consistently good in this league. Even great coaches can't overcome it. Ask Bill Belichick. No matter what else Raheem Morris does right, without passable, competent, crap, league average quarterback play, he's going to be falling Arthur Smith right out the door. This, however, is the exact reason fans wanted to bring in an offensive coach, and I get that. In the absence of a proven quarterback, like let's say we throw the bag at Kirk Cousins and get him, the chances of elevating the play of a rookie quarterback or even an average quarterback are much higher when you bring in an offensive mastermind. And that's why so many fans were stuck on candidates like Ben Johnson of the Lions. Even if the Falcons boast another top 10 defense, which is what their defense was for the majority of the year, it won't be enough if you can't find a long-term answer in the center. And we're not talking about finding the next Matt Ryan. Heck, 
Andy Dalton, Tyrod Taylor, or Ryan Fitzpatrick could have dragged this roster to nine wins with the talent on it. So as much as you might be lukewarm in the selection, I get why. There is a clear path to it working. If he finds the right quarterback, it's not hard to see Raheem Morris become the next Mike Vrabel. And by that, I mean a great motivator who wins with culture, player development, coach development, and good roster management. And this is worth pointing out. People around the league are praising this hire. Now, I know Les Snead came out and threw all kinds of flowers at Raheem Morris, and people are saying, oh, he's just trying to get that compensatory pick, which I think is stupid for a stupid take, but a lazy take. But you have Mike Tomlin coming out saying, uh, yeah, this guy's amazing and it's overdue. You have Grady Jarrett co-signing it on Twitter. You have Kyle Shanahan saying that this is a fantastic hire. You have other head coaches saying this is a great hire, that he's going to be great in this role. And I know fans get so jaded from hearing players talk about how much they love a coach, even when the coach is not winning, because you do get that a lot. Like, apparently a lot of the Falcons players actually liked Arthur Smith, but it didn't equate to wins. Same thing with Dan Quinn. It didn't necessarily equate to wins. So I understand why fans get jaded when they hear that. However, it's an entirely different thing when the people that you're competing with are allowed in the league say, this guy's great. Shanahan went as far as to say that he's tried to get Raheem Morris on his staff every year he's been in San Francisco because that's how much he thought of him as a coach. So I'm saying there's got to be something to the fact that other league head coaches, successful ones, think that this is a good hire and that Raheem Morris has what it takes to be a good head coach. If not, well, the Falcons will find themselves in this exact same position two to three years from now. And there's no way around it. Regardless of the head coach, whether you wanted Ben Johnson, Jim Harbaugh, the GOAT himself, the Falcons plan at quarterback this offseason will determine the direction of this franchise for the next three to five years. That's why it's imperative they get it right. What are their options to do that? I'll discuss that on an upcoming podcast. This has been Dave Bethay for the Tide Run Sports Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.